0: Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name's Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, we are going to talk to Jesse Lakes from Geniuslink, and we're gonna talk about Amazon best practices. I think we did like eight or nine, maybe even 10, but I may have said 11 or something like that uh, during the interview here, but we cover a lot of stuff. The cool thing is, Jesse's awesome. All right, so we've talked. Uh, we've talked to him before. Check out the other episode that I've done with Jesse if you haven't heard it. And Jesse does a good intro about what Genius Link is and all that stuff. So I won't do it here. One thing I do need to note is that Jesse and I were talking about what's called a direct qualifying purchase versus a like non-qualifying purchase as it pertains to the Amazon Associates program and what the rules are and the commission rates in the EU. So we're getting I realize we're getting very deep very quick. So I will explain what the direct qualifying purchase and non qualifying and all that stuff is at the end of the interview. So I'll just let it roll. It's just a little minor thing that we didn't know what we were talking about during the conversation. So I'll just I'll tell you that we were we were we knew there was something to it. And uh, later on, Jesse did the research, sent me in the information. So I'll read that out at the end of the interview. If you're brand new to the Doug Show, welcome. I'm glad that you're listening. Have a listen to a few of the other episodes and if you'd like it, please subscribe. It will be very awesome and if you do happen to like this episode, you'll find that a lot of the other episodes are pretty deep in the weeds for Amazon associate marketing, affiliate marketing in general and every now and then I go like really deep on SEO as well or my guests do. So um, just check it out. I I think you may like it. So without further ado, Let's send it over to the interview with Jesse, and be sure to check out Geniuslink as well. Hey, what's going on? Doug Cunnington here from Niche Site Project and The Doug Show, and I'm sitting with my friend Jesse Lakes from Geniuslink. How are you today?
1: I am. I'm doing really well. It is a wonderful Thursday.
0: Awesome. Yeah, very close to Friday. We are recording this very close to Labor Day as well. So we got a long weekend coming up. Do you have any big plans this weekend?
1: Uh, Labor Day might be actual Labor Day for, for my family. So lots of big plans coming up. So yeah. <laughs>
0: big time. Well, thank you very much for taking the time out. I know it's you're, you're busy right now. For the people that don't know you, can you give a little intro and talk about Geniuslink just for a moment so people know like where you're coming from?
1: Sure. Yeah, I've been in the uh, affiliate world for quite quite some time now. Started diving into it back in uh, early 2000s, but um, along the way, I found that uh, links traditionally send people to one destination. That wasn't always the best case, so kind of had this crazy route with iTunes and then Amazon, and ultimately uh, built this. Um, platform called genius link. That's an intelligent, intelligent link management platform. I got to get that a little bit smoother one of these days since I talk about it all the time, but uh, intelligent link management essentially just means that you can use a single link to help monetize your whole list of audience, um, your whole range of audience. A lot of times when you build a website, uh, you're, you're getting people from the U S or the UK. Um, but that's usually only a a Decent chunk of your property our decent chunk of your audience where really uh, your properties being appreciated by people all over the world And we don't monetize that long tail of your audience. You are really leaving money on the table So genius link is a, a tool for exactly that we uh, we help our, our clients our publishers influencers creators uh, take full advantage of the um, Opportunity that's presented with them with this this community that They've built and also help ensure a good buying experience for that community as well. So it kind of goes hand in hand
0: very good and if people Want to hear more about your origin story? We recorded another episode where it was more uh, conversational, the, <laughs> the, uh, the quick hitter sort of topic that we're doing today, which is the best practices for Amazon Associates. And we have a list of, I believe, nine. We'll see how <laughs> we do here. Some of those may turn into like two or three as we dissect them. So we're just kind of going to go back and forth. And when I was reviewing the list, I could tell you, um, number one, uh, Jesse's very thorough. He did all this research <laughs> for me. You know, I'll give you credit. Thank you. I'm not ashamed of that. You know, you got to surround yourself with smarter people than yourself. So
1: I thought that's what I was doing, hanging out with you.
0: Come on, Doug. know. <laughs> so. In this case, uh, Jesse brought to the table a lot and we're just going to like go down the list. So number one, we have make sure you link to products, not to search results pages. So I know I've done this in the past where maybe I didn't quite know where to send someone and I thought, hey, if I just get them to Amazon, that's good enough. So what what do you think about this, Jesse?
1: Well, yeah, maybe we should rephrase that slightly. You know, it's OK to link to search results pages, but it's best to link to products. And there's kind of a a theoretical point of view, but there's also some concrete stuff that's really starting to materialize. So the, the theoretical point of view is that um, when you get someone excited about a product and they have that intent to purchase, you want to get them to that ability to purchase as quickly as possible. And it's easier to buy from one of the product pages on Amazon than it is from a category page or a search results page or even the homepage of, of Amazon. So, you know, you talk about this camera, you talk about whatever it may be, people are interested, click that button, make it happen, allow that to happen. Um, The second part of that, though, is we've seen some new language introduced by Amazon um, earlier this year. And it's uh, this whole concept of what they call an indirect qualifying purchase versus a direct qualifying purchase. Uh, And this this showed up in the, uh, I believe, the March 3rd update to the uh, Amazon European Terms of Service. Uh, And the gist was that they're going to pay you out a commission rate that's significantly higher for a direct qualifying purchase, uh, and significantly lower for an indirect. So just some examples here, I, I'll pull this up. But um, if you are in the, um, uh, in the fashion area, so clothing, accessories, et cetera, they're gonna pay you 11 or 12%. If you send the link directly to the product page, they're only gonna pay you 1.5% if you send it to a uh, search results and, and kind of something happens along the way, what we, we often call a kind of a halo purchase. So you know, that's, that's obviously a significant difference. So if you're promoting clothing, accessories, shoes, handbags, et cetera, Don't use search results pages. You know, really you want to focus in and send people to to that specific product when you can. Obviously, you can't always do that. Sometimes a search results page is the perfect example of or sorry, the perfect destination um, for, for certain cases. But in general, if you if you have the choice, you know, go to that that specific product where where the search is again, it's it's. It's lazy. It's sometimes, um, and that's why I've done it in the past is because I was being lazy. Uh, but find the right product, give a good recommendation, send them there, and you should be rewarded for a, with a significantly higher uh, commission rate. Uh,
0: so one quick, go ahead. I, well, I was gonna say, um, just as an example for when the search page may be more relevant than some others is like if you're just like mentioning an overall brand, for example, mm-hmm. where you know maybe there's not a brand page for some reason there probably should be like an overall uh brand page but um another place you may see that is like if it's just uh the name of a product type and you're not Mm -hmm. making a recommendation so it would be like a more general type of uh piece of content or something like that so sorry to interrupt you what were you gonna say
1: Oh, so um, I was just going to take this one step further where, again, this is, you know, in the European fee statement uh, appendix is where this information is, is listed out. Uh, it doesn't seem to have been applied yet to the U.S. Uh, Amazon.com affiliate program. So obviously uh, Amazon.com is, is typically the biggest affiliate program and, and typically the, uh, the major moneymaker for, for most uh, publishers. However, if you look closely, um, you won't see it in the Amazon Associates dashboard, but if you actually download the reports, you'll see that there's a column now that will give you the DQP and the IQP, and that just tells you, you know, if, it's, if it's a direct qualified purchase, an indirect qualified purchase. So I'm reading tea leaves here. You know, Take this with a massive grain of salt, but we see it specifically outlined in you know, UK, Germany, Italy, Spain, France. We see the reporting is there for the US. I'm assuming it's only a matter of time. Um, again, take that with a grain of salt, do with it what you will. But in general, I definitely recommend your audience, you know, link to products when they can and, and try not to, to be lazy and link to search. But again, you, you make some great points about when linking to search is, you know, the best for, for kind of that user experience.
0: And quick, um, we gotta be careful not to go too long and I'm catching myself here. But like for the qualifying versus non-qualifying, so if someone were to link to a product and then mm-hmm. the person, the the user follows the link, but they buy something else, um, but they they went through a direct link to a product and they just happened to choose a different one. Is that a qualified purchase?
1: That's a great question, and I'm not qualified to answer that, but the way that I read the tea leaves here is that the indirect qualifying is kind of that halo effect, right? You promote uh, a specific TV, they buy toilet paper, right? That toilet paper, you're now going to be at that lower rate, but that TV, if they had bought it, that link that they followed initially, you would get the higher rate. And I think it's, we've always known that that Amazon is amazing for those 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 halo purchases, right? You can be recommending, again, TVs and be making a ton of money off of toilet paper, uh, which which works out really well. And I think Amazon is is really kind of wisened up to that and, and you know, they still want to reward you. You know, it's still a sale. You still bring in a customer. You, you deserve something, but maybe not that full amount that they, they previously were. So again, to, to restate, I think that, you know, you link to a specific product, you'll get the full commission if that specific product is bought. But if it's a, an ancillary product or related product, I'm guessing not again. I, I, I can't prove that. I don't have any specific numbers there. Um, but that's, that's how I'm seeing, seeing things written.
0: Okay. That makes sense. We will uh, keep monitoring it. All
1: right. (laughs) So
0: moving on to the next one here, Um, this is sort of similar to Mm -hmm. like, you know, be direct. So this one you mentioned, uh, don't direct or yeah, don't link to the Amazon homepage. And you also mentioned that, you know, Amazon's sort of cracking down on this. So what can you shed some light on here?
1: Yeah. So again, we, we see that it's often worth your while from a fiscal perspective to, to send to a specific product. Uh, again, kind of talking about the, the direct qualifying, indirect qualifying. Uh, but we've also found that um, Amazon's compliance team seems to be cracking down. Again, it's a little bit again of, of reading tea leaves to try to understand exactly what they were had concerns about, but we've, uh, we've seen some clients come through that uh, believe they were, were getting the, the letter of doom because they were linking directly to the Amazon homepage. Um, so take that one step further. Amazon wants you to promote products. Amazon doesn't want you to incentivize clicks. Amazon doesn't want you to kind of mooch off their affiliate program. You need to be adding value. I think they see it again, reading tea leaves. They see it as you just linking to the homepage as you just trying to collect a commission for being there. You know, the incentivizing clicks asking for, for people to, to buy from your link, you know, the Amazon homepage link often, correlates very closely with that behavior where recommending a specific product, you know, you're really doing the job to promote that product. Talk about the the pros and the cons, you know, your, your insights into that specific product versus just that, that homepage link.
0: Okay. So I guess trying to understand why those, uh, specific users maybe were, um, I guess not, not targeted, but why they were, you know, had an inquiry or whatever. Um, I guess they had a high percentage of their clicks going to the homepage and Amazon was like, Hey, this is out of whack for like the average site. We have, they have a ton of data. So mm-hmm. am I reading into that properly? Do you think?
1: Again, you know, I'm my I am not related to Amazon in any any way. I am not a a third party company sure. um, that works a lot in the ecosystem, but I think you're you're probably reading things correctly. Um, I have heard that Amazon kind of has a scoring system for for their associates. You need to have, you know, it's a lot of different factors that go into it. They won't explain it at all. You know, it's kind of a a hidden thing. Um, but I'm assuming, yeah, that the score was high in the wrong areas or really low because of this activity. So, um, yeah, I, I'm assuming that some sort of behavior, some sort of incorrect ratio, is kind of what what flagged them. But again, this is complete conjecture.
0: Okay, that makes sense. And yeah, we I'll I'll put another disclaimer at the top of this. <laughs> uh, we are just a couple people talking about this stuff and. Consult your own lawyers and everything like that. <laughs> we're <laughs> not associated <laughs> with Amazon or uh, we're hardly associated with each other, but you know. <laughs> All right. So the first few were sort of, uh, kind of slightly more negative. So now we're yeah. going to be getting into some more interesting stuff where it's like, hey, give your users um, a bit more choice. So the next one coming up is to potentially give your. Uh, visitors a choice to, like, like let's see, I, I lost my line there, but give your visitors a choice and have multiple retailers. So, you, you know, Genius Link works with a lot of different companies and you have a very good case study uh, by Armando. So can you kind of just explain what Armando did here, just uh, cliff notes version.
1: Yeah. So the gist is we have, um, this, this tool called a, a choice page. The idea is that you can promote a single product, but, uh, list multiple buy buttons and, uh, the music industry, this has become kind of the de facto for, for marketing where, you know, you can listen to a song, uh, you can buy it in iTunes or listen to it from Apple music or, you know, uh, Amazon's music platform or Spotify, et cetera. So most marketing for music these days happens with these, Choice pages with this list of different buy buttons. We've seen the uh, the book industry kind of follow along, right? Uh, you can buy a book, uh, you can read a book uh, via Kindle. You can also listen to it via you know Audible or, or other uh, uh, audiobook platforms. But that whole concept of one product, one thing to be able to consume in multiple places really plays well into this whole concept of one product, be able to buy it in multiple places. So we've, we've had this tool for a while here and it's slowly been kind of catching on in the, in the product marketing space. Armando is a, a YouTuber that's got a great channel. Um, and he kind of, saw this early on and started to do Amazon buttons and B photo, video buttons um, for each of the different products he recommended. And it's been really interesting just kind of hearing his story about uh, once he started doing that, he started seeing immediate results. And over the last, it's been just shy of a year, he's seen his commissions double, not only on Amazon, uh, but he's also become a top, uh, referrer for, for B Um, uh, which is, is really interesting here. If your traffic is approximately the same, you know, not only improving Amazon, but also, starting to really see commissions on B&H is is kind of the the perfect answer. So we were really excited when Armando came to us and and told us the story.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's pretty awesome because you were showing me the choice uh, pages and it seemed interesting, but I wasn't quite sure like the application or, you know, many results. So, yeah, it's pretty pretty amazing. Uh, I'll link up for Armando's uh, case study there. Maybe I'll try and talk to him as well. That sounds interesting. So,
1: so one quick on. caveat here that I think your your audience would be interested in knowing is here you're, you're really focused on you know niche niche sites niche websites um, it, it should definitely be be spit out that you know armando is more on the social media side more kind of on the influencer side where you don't really quite have the luxury to be able to put the you know side-by-side table comparisons or you know to be able to kind of do more of that long form piece where you know on a tweet or a YouTube comment you really only have space for a link or so maybe a short call to action so I think the, the, I, I would love to experiment with choice pages on websites as well, but you know this tool has primarily been more towards kind of that social media influencer side. But again, yeah, you know, if you're doing niche sites, you probably have a social media play as well. Uh, so there's there's definitely sure, some some crossover there. Um, one other, th- <laughs> you're going to say something. I'm going to cut you off. One other thing that I think is really important. I don't have the perfect answer of why this worked out. We're still dig- diving into. It. We're doing a bunch of different tests. We've got a bunch of different clients. that are helping us out with this. But I think. Um, What we've seen and what we've kind of started to to unpack from this is just allowing a shopper to be able to do some quick research kind of on the fly, right? Here's here's this product. We often see that Amazon has the lowest price or quickest shipping, et cetera. But we also know that this other two or three retailers are are notable, well-known retailers. If you can just click on the the link, look at those other retailers and, and understand yeah. You know, oh, it's out of stock at target and it's, you know, $5 cheaper at Walmart. Okay. Is, you know, is that price difference worth going to Walmart instead of Amazon, etc.? So it seems that allowing people to click multiple affiliate links to do this purchasing really kind of helps out with that intent to purchase being much quicker, uh, but also allows you to set that affiliate cookie in multiple stores, which can be beneficial as well. So anyway, you weren't asking nice. but I wanted to throw that out there.
0: No, that's perfect. Um, it, like, again, super interesting because I like I know B&H as well and I've ordered stuff from them for years. So, yeah, I think when I got my camera most recently, like I was going to buy from Amazon because it was just you
1: know, easier. Because <laughs> that's what you do. Yeah. yeah.
0: And then um, it was out of stock. So Mm. I was like, ah, shoot. And I think I bought it from B&H or maybe I can't remember exactly, but it wasn't Amazon. And that's where I was like, all right, I'm going to get it. It'll be here like tomorrow, you know, or whatever. And then, yeah, I ordered from somewhere else. Had to wait two days.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But because you switched from, you know, probably some some final review to convince you to buy that camera that sent you to Amazon, Amazon didn't have it and you jumped over to B&H, the person that made that referral doesn't get credit. Uh, If they had had that B&H button right there for you to click... They could have earned a commission as well, in exactly. theory.
0: Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and yeah, just to emphasize that point again, is probably like the perfect tool for the social media or a YouTuber. And again, I know um a lot of, you know, affiliate sites, niche website owners, they are, I mean, they have the keywords right there they can just create other content that'll go on YouTube and they work uh, very well together and help each other out. So, okay. And let's uh, move on. We'll talk about secondary user access. And you had a note here that that could be an issue. So Mm -hmm. what's going on with that and what is secondary user access?
1: So secondary user access is something buried pretty deep in the, uh, Amazon associate central dashboard. But the gist is that you can, you can give other Amazon accounts access into your dashboard. Uh, and it works really well for a variety of reasons, but, um, we have seen, unfortunately, that, you know, Amazon has a very strong confidentiality statement as part of their terms of service. And it seems that they are really kind of putting that confidentiality and the secondary access. They're starting to butt heads. So traditionally, we've seen people uh, grant secondary access to, to tools uh, so they can go in and, and pull information for them so they can build links, etc. Uh, so they can do due diligence if they're trying to sell the site or, or broker the site for you. Um, unfortunately, it seems that this is not as um appreciated by Amazon as it, as it once was. Uh, it used to be that secondary access was, was really easy to, to grant and, and uh, have, but we found uh, that there's been an, an increase in people getting kicked out of the associates program uh, because they've been sharing confidential information with with people that don't have a confidentiality agreement or, or some degree of that. So I guess the, the lesson here that the best yeah, the best practice here is just be really careful if you are granting secondary access to a third party, and make sure that if you are doing it, you're only doing it for a specific period of time in which some task or something could be happen. Make sure there's some sort of agreement, and then when that's done, just clean up. You know, close out that that access. Yeah, it's it's your classic. You know, it's it's much easier to forget about something and leave it open. But you know, yeah, those those diligent business owners know that. You know that that. Following up on on the task and doing the cleanup afterwards is is a pretty important piece of having a a clean work environment in the bigger picture.
0: Got it. And yeah, I I did this when I've sold sites. So, you know, someone needs... A broker, for example, mm. needs to verify the site, due diligence, mm. as you mentioned, and then they check and make sure that the reports are authentic and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. And I'm pretty sure I need to double check now that we're talking about it, that I'm paranoid enough and I was like, hey, I don't want them rooting around in my account. So I'm, mm-hmm. I turned it off immediately, um, but I'll double check because, you know is a long time ago. People forget, like you said. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And it's, you know, Amazon's built in some safeguards. They can't go in and play with uh, where the money's deposited and, and such, but still it's, that information is, is valuable. That's important. So there's, there's no need to, to leave them open. Yeah, just, just be smarter about that. Um, and I think that was a bit of a wake up call for the community, but it makes sense. Yeah. I, I don't blame Amazon one bit for, for cracking down on that.
0: Yep. And I think, you know, it's important to note, like we're talking about Amazon cracking down on certain things I mean it's really it's not like Amazon's trying to be mean to us specifically it's not just, at all you know they're running a business there's a lot of folks out there they're trying to manage uh, this whole uh, aff- affiliate uh, sort of population this collective of folks, and there's some you know bad players out there or whatever so you know, for Amazon, they want to have a good customer experience. That's why we buy from Amazon. We love, I know I, I love Amazon. You love Amazon, right? Yeah. So, and that's on the record so we can, we're on the record <laughs> saying that. Um, but yeah, the customer trust is big and I will let you intro this next one coming up.
1: Yeah. So customer trust is, um, you know, we had the conversation uh, during the last podcast really kind of uh you know things things to be wary of things things to avoid and you know the amazon operating agreement their policies page you know, there's so much thick documentation thick in in a good way you know there's it they lay it out for the most part pretty cleanly about what is and isn't okay and you know it's really the rules of how to play the amazon affiliate game um, and you had that audit uh, you know you went you went through the experience um you know it was it was it was hard to sometimes kind of decipher what is and what isn't okay this is this is gray area yeah i could i could see it being meaning two different ways and i think this whole concept of customer trust is really a good north star for navigating that right what what is right what what helps the customer feel like they can trust what you're putting in front of them you know are are you are you being clean in your descriptions are you are you being authentic. Are, are you misleading? Are you identifying when the when the customer is going to leave the site? Um, are you are you telling them where they're going to go, etc. So just in, in our conversations with, with Amazon, you know, customer trust comes up regularly and it's, I think just a, a really important concept to remember that this is again, kind of that North star that kind of helps guide what is and isn't okay. So yes, you could probably make a case for this and that and you're, you're going to lose, right? Amazon has the rules that are going to follow those rules. So no matter how much you try to convince yourself that what you're doing is actually gray area or legit because you're rereading the rules in a certain inflection. I think the customer trust really helps at least me understand what that, that intent is. Uh, if there's any gray area, kind of use that. Um one of the things I thought was also kind of helpful in that is customer trust is a great way to kind of review um, your calls to action. Um, so one of the things that we, we saw that was kind of interesting is, you know, playing with your calls to action as you know, can, can definitely mess with your click through rate and click through rate uh, really adds a lot. So, um, you know, we had a, a client that kind of had a, a little bit more of a aggressive call to action and, and, you know, we kind of looked at that a little bit and kind of, you know, talked to the client and did some research and, and Amazon's kind of came back and, um, gave us some, gave us some feedback. But one of the things that we thought was really interesting is this whole concept of, of weasel words. Um, they're using best or discount or lowest or sale, you know, words that kind of imply or push the, the consumer and not really kind of let them make their own decision. Yeah. That, that trust really, really isn't there. So, um, no hard and fast rules here uh, for for the audience but just use that customer trust as the north star what what is the best for the for the customer try to avoid you know again incentivizing the clicks pushing them being shady right you know you as a customer you want to make that decision and when you make that decision yeah, you're probably going to see good results but if you're getting pushed into something your conversion rates probably not going to be what it should be
0: okay and this, I, I made those mistakes early on where basically I was using a superlative that I wasn't sure, right? Like mm-hmm. there was no way that it could always be accurate. And, you know, going back to the perfect customer experience, it's like expectations are set when I, b- before I click the link and then I see what I expect to see on the other side. And then, you know, I buy something and I get that thing. Mm-hmm. So I think if you avoid again the superlatives and that is like, Lowest price or best price or biggest discount or something like that, and I'm just making those up arbitrarily. But mm-hmm. I think if you avoid those sort of things that may be false, then um, you're probably in good shape. So
1: I would completely agree with you. You have to remember too, you know, Amazon's marketplace is crazy dynamic, right? What was lowest price a minute ago may not be lowest price now. Those those prices are in fluctuation. So again, when you when you say yeah, the superlatives, that may not always be true. You're violating that customer trust. So yeah, you're you're absolutely right.
0: And um, during the like audit situation that we mentioned before, like I I thought maybe I had a couple instances of that left over from way back in the day, and I did. So I just did like a global search all over my site, found the you know two or three. And, you know, remove them, cleaned them up, made them, you know, more uh, like customer centric.
1: Mm -hmm. Perfect.
0: And uh, okay, let's move on to like the global links and the international Amazon Associates program. So I know I I actually left money on the table for a few years just because I wasn't paying attention. There wasn't a uh, solution that I was aware of. I didn't know about Geniuslink yet. Um, But... Once I did, I started earning more money. So if you, if you are getting enough traffic, then it's a good way to, you know, make more money from the existing traffic. Now, Jesse, you have some recommendations on like the amount of traffic than what that one needs to see um, Mm -hmm. to kind of gauge whether it's going to be worthwhile.
1: Exactly. So kind of the general rule of thumb is if you have at least 10% of your traffic, that's international and ideally international for one of Amazon's 15 different storefronts, right? So let's take a quick step back, right? Amazon is not just amazon.com. Amazon is 15 different storefronts around the world. So amazon.com is just one amazon.ca, amazon.com.mx, amazon.co.uk, et cetera. And each of those storefronts have each, except for Netherlands has its own affiliate program. So again, most websites, most social media, you know, uh, posts, post, et cetera, have some sort of international audience. You know, the internet is, is global. So when you don't, when you're sending everyone to amazon.com, and even if they're coming from amazon.de, or sorry, from Germany, they may not want to buy at amazon.com because amazon.de is, is optimized specifically for them or amazon.in for, for people in, in India or amazon.co.jp for, for the Japanese population. So by paying attention to that, that audience, you can take, you know, the 10,000 clicks a month that you get and you can monetize a much bigger chunk of that instead of sending them all to Amazon.com and really only be able to monetize or efficiently monetize, you know, half or three quarters of that, you now can make sure that each person goes to the storefront and the product that you're recommending in that local storefront. And then you can take advantage of those affiliate programs as well. So taking that step back, you know, 10% hopefully from one of the countries that have uh, an Amazon store. So if you see, you know, 5% of your traffic from from UK and 3% from Germany and 2% from France, you're a perfect candidate for, for you know, really paying attention to that kind of long tail of, of affiliate links. The flip side of that, and you know, we, we had a conversation about this a, a little bit ago, until you have, you know, there's a lot of things to focus on. There's a lot of things you know when you're first starting out that you really need to pay attention to. This is not one of them. You, know, you need to have a community. Uh, make sure that community, that audience, that traffic is, is really starting to grow. So while 10% is a good metric, The other side of it is you should probably have at least a thousand clicks coming from international as well. If you're only getting tens or or hundreds, yes, you can start to monetize it, but (laughs) making five bucks in Germany every month doesn't really matter, right? It's, yeah, when it's getting to 20, 50 a month, that's when it starts to add up and that's when it's worth your time. When it's just kind of that low, low amount, it often isn't, you should spend your time on, um, other things are gonna help boost that traffic, help help build the site, you know, help help grow things. This is definitely a mid to ladder site maturity optimization.
0: Yep. Totally agree. I won't uh like repeat what you said. So I have <laughs> nothing to
1: add. You always do such a great job taking my 10 minutes of uh, blah 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 and turning into a really succinct sentence though.
0: <laughs> if you get enough traffic, go international. Boom. There that's we go. It. That's why you return the um,
1: For the win again.
0: Alright, moving to the next one. We're talking about getting the right kind of traffic. So I know it's very easy when you're when you're first starting out, you're just like, any traffic's gonna be great. And maybe you build a site that is not gonna have anyone interested in spending money. So no one's gonna buy anything. So it's very important to have someone who's like thinking, hey, I'm I'm researching a product that I'm probably gonna buy in the next. 24 hours or so. And that means you're probably looking for, you know, keywords with a product, um, like mentioned and mm-hmm. potentially like, I, I like the keyword golden ratio and that that's a concept where you can find like just low hanging fruit. Um, y- usually you can rank these sort of keywords in these posts really quickly, usually within like a f- couple days or something like that. Um, it's, more complex outside of the scope of what we're talking about. So I'll put a link in the description, but if you look for, I'll give you a format and then hopefully people will uh, find it helpful, but let's say ballpoint pens and uh, like a specific user type. So uh, like best ballpoint pen for college students. Right. So it's someone is looking for something, uh, for a specific application and they kind of have an idea, like what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, if you can get someone on your site with that sort of query, like, uh, they're interested in buying something soon. And most likely, um, they just want a curated list instead of going to Amazon and looking at the, you know, 40,000 pens that may be out <laughs> there. Maybe they have a list of like four and they can make a choice from that. So, um, any, anything to add on, on that Jesse would like give me the right traffic.
1: No, I mean, yeah, the, the keyword golden ratio, yeah, your, your newsletter, um, is, is great for, for bringing that up and a lot of education around that. Um, you yeah, know, and then just anecdotally we see, you know, clients posting links kind of all over the place and doing different, different things to kind of get their link clicked. And it's, it's pretty amazing where, yeah, you get to be focused. You find kind of that bottom of the funnel. Um, you may only need 10 clicks to generate $100 in, in commissions where, unfortunately, uh, see some people that just spam their links across Twitter and get tons of clicks and just no conversions because that's just not the right place, the right time, the right messaging to, to actually get the, the volume. Yeah, you got a click <laughs> and yeah, you have to get a click before you get a sale. But still, you're, you're just kind of blowing out the numbers. It's, it's not... It's not being focused. So I think you're absolutely right. We're using using some methodologies to really focus in and and getting top of funnel, medium funnel, bottom funnel, right? That medium to bottom of the funnel is is really where the magic happens, especially, you know, Amazon having a 24 hour cookie window. You need to make sure that the intent is there. If it's, you know, if they're just researching car tires at the very beginning, you're not going to sell very many car tires.
0: Exactly. And I want to give a, a quick sort of uh, extreme example in the opposite direction. So I have a friend who is, you know, a, a big YouTuber. I think he has like 80,000 subscribers. People watch, you know, a lot of his videos. He has a platform. But it's not very targeted. It's actually like um like teaching yourself software development, all right? So it's like not a market of people that are interested in buying anything like all the tools are free they're trying to learn on their own like they're not paying tuition so these are just people that aren't going to buy anything and even though he has a huge audience many times the size of mine like he can't sell that much stuff because those people are not interested in buying anything in fact a lot of them are maybe they're not even um like 18 or whatever like they're it sounds like there's a lot of high school kids that are like trying to learn how to do software stuff. So like, <laughs> I wish they, I was
1: that focused in high school. Uh, go yeah, ahead.
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I couldn't imagine, you know, I couldn't imagine that, but yeah, they're, they're like trying to, you know, learn something so that they can, uh, you know, have a great job or make money for their family or whatever. So anyway, it's completely the wrong audience to sell anything. So he tried to, you know, pitch a couple things, but it's just not going to pan out in that way. So,
1: right. Yeah, you got to go to the other monetization platforms or other techniques at, at that point. Affiliate is probably not the right, the right fit, but yeah, go ahead.
0: Yeah, no, no, that, that was it there. So moving on to our last one here, and this is uh, being authentic. So one thing that I noticed, and I think maybe I did this a little bit in the beginning as well, but any product that I reviewed, I just made it sound great. You know, I was trying to recommend a product. Um, whether the product was $10 or a hundred or a thousand dollars, I was like, these are all great. Anyone would be happy with any of them. I give them, you know, a hundred stars, whatever, like <laughs> you'll love it. And that's just not realistic. It seems like all the credibility is gone. If you're, if a person is recommending like all the products when clearly some are better and some are worse. Now the good part is. I think some people always want to buy the most expensive thing. Some people always want to buy the cheapest thing. Um, so if you give them options, usually like people will gravitate towards where they're most comfortable. Um, and the whole punchline here is I think it's really important to offer pros and cons for any of the products you're reviewing. So even if it's the greatest product in the world, um, maybe it's a little expensive you know, or maybe it's hard to get. They, because they're so fantastic. Um, they're rare, they sell out often. So that could be a con. It's just important to be authentic. So I I bet you've seen a lot of sites, Jesse, where, you know, maybe they weren't doing that. So do you have any, what do you have to add here?
1: No, I think you're, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. Um, Pat Flynn, um, is, you know, has done a really good job kind of talking about how to be authentic with, with affiliate marketing. I really subscribe to, to that methodology that, you know, you have to be proud of what you do. You have to believe in what you do. And when you're not being, you know, when you're not being authentic, it's really hard to do that. You know, it's not something you take to your mom and, and tell her, you know, what you're, what you're working on or, or, you know, really be proud to tell anyone in your family what you're, what you're working on. But when you can actually you know, add value, you know, give, give both sides of the story, i think that even just kind of comes back to the whole customer trust thing right they're gonna believe you um you worked hard to to get that right you have to see both sides of the story you want them that you know you said seven pros and didn't give the three cons they they get that package that shows up they open it up they start using it and you know yes the seven pros are right there but the three cons you didn't talk about are the first three things they hit they're gonna be a little upset right and they're probably not going to trust you for the next review you're, you're not building that that loyalty um, so in the bigger picture yeah, you know, it's we are craftsmen you know our our work is you know mostly over the, the keyboard but we should be proud of what we build and what we make and if we're not then maybe this isn't the right business for us
0: very good yeah and i think well again i don't want to be uh <laughs> like uh, redundant and just repeat but yeah if if you could be authentic and like help the customer out as much as you can then uh that's about all you could do so all right well jesse thanks a lot for uh joining us here um i will link up all your stuff in the show notes and everything but any parting words before we finish up here
1: always always a pleasure you know riffing riffing on uh, best practices about amazon or really anything about amazon as uh, yeah always a pleasure yeah. going going deep
0: Awesome. Well, have a great day there, and we will uh, catch up soon. Thanks. All right. Cheers. All right. Thanks a lot to Jesse and the Genius Link crew. And I'm reading this. All right. I'm going to read you the um, operating agreement like excerpt. Um, per my understanding on the EU. Now, before I do, I will mention that Jesse is not associated with Amazon. I am not associated with Amazon. We're just a couple of people who work within the you know, Amazon-associate ecosystem. And this is sort of uh, like our understanding, all right? So I'm going to read this. And um, actually, I'll put it in plain language first. Basically, if you provide a link and people buy that exact product, you'll probably make more of a commission than if they buy something else, all right? So I will read it, I'll do my best to to read it with the right cadence. Uh, sometimes I mess it up, it's very funny, it's like I'm just learning to read or something like that. Here we go, all right, we're gonna give it our best shot. A direct qualifying purchase means a qualifying purchase of a product in the same product category as the product detail page linked to from the special link that resulted in the qualifying purchase. An indirect qualifying purchase means a qualifying purchase of a product in a different product category than the Product Detail page linked to from the special link that resulted from the qualifying purchase. If a special link does not link to a Product Detail page, then any qualifying purchase will be an indirect qualifying purchase. Product category means the product category of the product described in the tables as determined by us. And if you go to the EU Associates Program Operating Agreement, you will find a table um, for the categories. Back to the the policy here. We will determine the classification of products in each category described in the agreement. Okay, that is, that is the end of it. I did a pretty good job reading it. Full disclosure, I messed up the first couple times. So I recorded it. I recorded that more than once. And here's the deal you should probably go read the operating agreement on your own and make sure you understand. Um, As I was reading that out, I realized like they used the, like, obviously a lawyer went through this and then some other lawyers like peppered in there their uh, details as as well. So it's very specific, but it makes it a little bit wordy to read and understand for like normal human beings, I would say. No offense, lawyers. And basically, like I said, in plain language, if you're linking to a specific product and someone buys that product or something in the, the same category, likely a super related kind of product, then you'll get a higher commission rate most likely if it is an indirect purchase it means you've just sent someone over to Amazon and they've purchased something else so for example if i have a link to some sort of uh, like hair gel right cuz i'm a big user of hair gel just kidding i'm bald so that's that's not something i would review cuz i you know i don't need to use that kind of product or any kind of product that deals with hair Of course, this is a podcast, so you can't see me, but I'm extremely bald. Anyway, back to it. So if I recommend hair gel, but someone buys a very expensive laptop in the past, that would be fine. I would just get the commission rate for the laptop category. It would be fantastic. However, nowadays... I would get a different commission rate in the EU. So the point is, this hasn't exactly rolled out to the US yet at the time that I'm recording this. However, in the future, that could happen. So keep that in mind. Again, I'll mention the disclaimer. I'm just some guy, and you should consult the operating agreement yourself. You should uh, work with a lawyer, work with accountants, all professional folks um, who are much more qualified than me. I just I just read this out, okay. So um, from, from that, I think I think we could draw to a close these tips. If you have questions or anything, feel free to reach out to Jesse or myself on our you know channels. There's links for Jesse's stuff in the description. Definitely go check out Genius Link if you haven't before the blog is actually really, really good. and I'll give Jesse a, a plug here for two things. Number one, he did uh, sort of a commentary on my Amazon affiliate audit blog post that I I wrote a couple months ago after I was audited. So he went through, uh, again, I'm generally, I wouldn't say completely uh, ignorant, but I'm fairly ignorant in certain things. Jesse has a lot more data to draw from. He's been doing affiliate marketing a lot longer than I have, and he has worked with the Amazon associate program longer than me as well working with Geniuslink, he's able to, I guess, understand some of the issues and troubles and just understand the rules, the operating agreement better than me. So he went through and did commentary on my audit. Basically, he added in like a little bit more details, areas where I made mistakes. He corrected me and just sort of cleaned it up. So I'll put a link to that. Very good read. Obviously, I hope no one gets audited, but it's a reality that that could show up at your doorstep at an unexpected time. And if you do get audited, you don't have much time to react. You got five business days. So you need to have your act together. You need to be able to react quickly and get the information over to Amazon quickly. So highly encourage you to check it out if you are involved at all in the Amazon associate program. So that is plug number one. Plug number two is Jesse is He's going to be joining me on another episode coming up soon. Um, GeniusLink has acquired another company, so I won't mention anything uh, right now. But um, I recently, you know, found out that information. Pretty cool. So uh, Jesse talks about acquiring companies. He talks about like the path that that takes and just a little bit more of the background for genius link and how they've grown the ups and downs and that sort of thing. Very cool episode. And it's more, it's like more startup driven, which is kind of cool. Cause I, you know, I came from this, um, affiliate marketing area. Um, some would call it the, you know, the CD underbelly of the, you know, the internet. I'll, I'll leave it at that. But anyway, super cool to talk, to Jesse in, in that episode as well. So definitely keep an eye out for that. Again, if you're new, if you found me through Genius Link or something like that, you found this podcast through Genius Link, very cool. Definitely check out the previous episode that I did with Jesse. And also keep your eye out for the, the episode coming out soon about the acquisition that Genius Link uh, went through. So thanks a lot. We will catch you on the next episode.